Hey friends, welcome back to another Seed Talk with Lisa and Lane. Hey Lane. Hello everyone. We are so happy to be indoors recording this because it is a scorching mid-90s here in Virginia, southeastern Virginia, where this is kind of normal for July. Um, But we're really happy to be here today and to really be talking about a cool flower, but a cool flower that should be started right about now for me anyway. Um, So fill everybody in, Lane, about what we're talking about. Yes. So today we're going to be talking about a cool flower, but in this case, we're not going to be following the standard cool flower seed starting schedule. We're starting even earlier because we're not planting these to overwinter. We're planting for a fall harvest. And we are going to be talking about ornamental kale. And I don't know about you, Lisa, but fall just wouldn't be fall without kale. Do you agree? Oh, I mean, I think that so many of us missed the boat on growing ornamental cut flower kale, which is ready to go during one of the second highest demand season for cut flowers, the fall. Yes, I love it. It's so beautiful. It pairs so well with other fall items like gourds and pumpkins and mums and ornamental grasses, and you can mix it with other things in a bouquet or just leave it as a straight bunch of kale. It's beautiful either way. Yes, for sure. Okay, so let's get started. All right, so the first thing I want to talk about with ornamental kale, Lisa, is that there are different varieties of kale depending on your intended purpose. So there are bedding varieties of kale, and there are cut flower varieties of kale in addition to the eating varieties of kale. And I know some people listening to this that might not be familiar with it as a cut flower might be thinking, how could you take that short little kale and put it in a bouquet? And they're thinking of the bedding types of kale, right? Exactly. The most common ones we all see, you know, them tucked into containers next to mums. But yeah, the cut flower kale grows much taller when you grow the right varieties. Right. And these are specifically bred to be beautiful. Right. They're not bred for their taste or anything. They're these gorgeous little rosettes. They have beautiful colored leaves. The centers are usually white or pink or rose color. There can be bicolors. And then the outer leaves are either green or sometimes they have a purpley undertone. And then there are different shapes of leaves. You can get smooth leaves. You can have some that are ruffled and some that look feathery. Yeah, they have, um, in addition to coming up with so many different great colors, the different leaf model um, really helps it look a whole lot different. The cut leaves are really one of the fancier ones that I really, really like. So can you describe what these ornamental kales look like as they're growing to give someone a visual in case they've never grown one? Sure. So um, I'm sure we're going to go through on the how to grow them, but and when they grow, Um, they start to elongate and grow tall, right? And then they're going to have leaves all along the stem. Um, But really all the leaves that are going to ultimately be left on, I mean, the flower isn't really a flower. It's just leaves that are, you know, at the top of the plant, right? So everything beyond what that top rosette is, is really going to be stripped away. Um, So you're going to see, you know, a lot of times those leaves might become tattered or just not look very good. And you just don't even need to worry about that because it's really the top three inches of stem that really holds usually the leaves that are going to create and give the look of a flower. Right. So once it's properly stripped, 
it has the effect of looking like it's just this rosette of kale leaves on top of a bare stem. Exactly. So ornamental cut flower kale, like the crane series, which is very popular, typically takes around 90 to 110 days to maturity from sowing. And the timing of when to start your seed is really important because you want to make sure your kale is peaking in color and height and size at the right time for your fall harvest. And that gorgeous color is really going to start to intensify as the temperatures get cooler. Right. So kale is one that we recommend transplanting rather than sowing directly outdoors. So Lisa, when is the ideal time to start ornamental kale seeds for a fall harvest? So about, I mean, as you just mentioned, the days to harvest is, you know, you definitely need to pay attention to that. But for me, I'm thinking like four months. So our first expected historic frost is typically mid-November. And in fact, you want your kale to be coming ready kind of at that point because it really colors up after it has a little bit of light frost on it. So that's why you wouldn't want to grow this earlier in the year. You know, if you're in New England and you have nice, no humidity and cooler temperatures all summer, you can grow it, but it typically is not going to color up like what we're looking at. And if you're not looking, you need to head over to our YouTube channel um, where Lane has a beautiful image up of several different varieties of kale. Um, but that coloring comes as a result of being chilled from that light first frost. So when you start hitting, you know, below 35 degrees is when it will usually happens. So you just mentioned you like to start around four months before your first expected fall frost. What are the risks if someone started too early? So one of the challenges with growing kale um, is that the stem gets really big and thick and it makes it real. And we take steps to prevent that. Um, but starting it way too early and growing it for even longer is going to contribute to that even more. Plus, you're going to experience what I just spoke about. All these beautiful colors and variations aren't going to happen until it gets cool at night. It's probably not going to grow as tall and it's a cool season, hardy annual. It wants cold. It's going to be growing into its preferred weather um, and pests are going to be a major issue. Um, so this family, I mean, kale is in the brassicas family. So the the um, cabbage lopper, that the, the moth that lays the egg that the caterpillars that make the holes in your cabbages and your broccolis and your cauliflowers will do the same with this. And there's just more risk of that earlier in the season when they're really, really active. So there's a lot of good reasons to figure out the proper time. What are some of the risks if you plant too late? So they won't be ready on time or, I mean, that, I guess if I had to err on one side, better to be later than earlier because they are cold tolerant and I can always throw a row cover over them if we're going to have a hard frost, right? Um, I mean, we love having cabbages as we like to call them. Um, we love to have cut cabbages for, th for Thanksgiving um, to go along with all the other things that we're using for tablescapes. So you already touched on this a little, but can they handle a frost and can they handle a freeze? They can handle frost, light frost, but if you're going to expect a hard frost, the, the edges of these very mature plants can definitely sustain damage and a row cover may help that. Um, so you want to provide protection in the event of a hard frost. Yeah. 
So we have these listed as winter hardy to zone seven. Do you ever grow these and overwinter them for a spring crop? Or is that just not something that's as in demand for you at that time as a cut flower grower? Yeah, I mean, we have experimented actually with having them for Valentine's Day. But what happened for us, and we did do it kind of successfully. It was a long time ago. I really forget all the details of it. But the problem was we had nothing else to go with them. So we provided low tunnel protection out in the field to, you know, through winter, right? Because, I mean, we go down and get cold and, you know, snow events and ice events and everything happened. Um, but it was far more trouble than it was worth. And then lo and behold, guess what? We had nothing else to go with them. So it didn't yeah. really because it needed, yeah. Okay, now I want to talk about how to actually sow the seeds because there are definitely some little tips and tricks with this one that will help you be more successful. So what do you like to sow your seeds in? And then how many seeds are you sowing in each block or cell? Sure, so um, we've done it three different ways now. Um, back in the day when we would do that, when we were sowing these in high production, we would use plug trays because um, soil blocks, just because I, as I, I'll explain, um, soil blocks, we would need to use the two inch and that just wasn't very efficient, right? Um, but now we have the Swift Blocker Mini 27 that I'm getting ready to hold up here um, is like a Mini 27 is an inch and a half size block. So it can accommodate what we normally sow. And the reason we did plug trays and didn't use the small blocker is one of the steps that we follow to keep that stem from getting so thick and big is by we sow three to five seeds in every either cell pack or into the block. These happen to have three, as you can see, that have just germinated. And we then plant those also close together, that normal six inch spacing. We don't thin these, we don't break them apart. We plant them that close together and that encourages them to grow straight up, to grow taller and to have thinner stems, which is really the biggest challenge. I mean, if you could plant a kale every three inches um, in a bed, that would be perfect. You don't have to do that when you do it this way. We plant this block every six inches um, but yet they're still close together because they're in a cluster. Back before we had the swift blocker, we would do this in the two inch blocker um, when we were doing low volume. But when you needed to do hundreds and hundreds of blocks, that wasn't very you know, efficient. So we would do it in plug tray. So you can use a 128 plug tray or you can use a two inch block if you're not doing a lot of them or for growers like me that are, you know, need more than 27, you can make multiples the mini 27 is perfect for it. And how about if someone just wanted to put one seed each in three quarter inch soil blocks and just space them closer when they go to plant out? You can do that. If you're not planting very many, that just creates a lot more labor to do it that way. But yeah, they do. They'll, they'll do beautifully in the three quarter inch block one seed. Yeah. And are there any special growing conditions indoors since these are a cool season plant, but you're starting them in warm summer months. Is there anything special you do or do they do fine in your warm grow room? So in fact, they're not really growing in the warm grow room. They are actually out here in the building um, where the air conditioning is. And so our grow room at this point, and it's getting ready to flip in two weeks, that grow room will be flipped from growing warm season tender annuals 
to cool season hardy annuals, meaning we'll start cooling that room down. And we do that by leaving the door open so the air conditioning gets in there and it doesn't trap the heat, um, which the warm season stuff really benefits from. Um, so yeah, we like to grow them as transplants, um, you know, anywhere from 68 to 75 degrees. Um, and warmer than that, they just grow really fast. So, and they aren't really the happiest when it's over 75. So what is the ideal head size that you would prefer to have for ornamental kale in a bouquet? And how does your spacing help you achieve that? Um, small. So, and that's another thing that really spacing them closer together helps you to generate. So what happens is um, when you stand at your bed and look down at a mature bed of cabbages, um, the heads look really big because there's lots of leaf matter that's much of it is actually on the stem. Um, but as you strip that stem um, and take away a lot of those leaves, all of a sudden it just reveals about a three, you're looking for about a three inch diameter head. Um, and if they grow too far apart, the leaves generally get so big, you can't even create that by stripping almost all the leaves. So you want as many leaves as possible near the top that are small so that you have the ruffliness of them. Yeah. So remind us of the spacing you would do out there in the field. And then also for someone, like I mentioned, maybe they only have a three quarter inch soil blocker. How would they space those? Sure. So when you are starting in a larger block or in um, a plug tray with three to five seeds planted in each block or cell, which you're going to leave that way, we would plant those six inches apart like we normally do most everything else on this farm um, and not thin these. That's just the way they go in. If you're starting individual seeds in a three quarter inch block, I would space them every three inches in all directions because um, they that'll just help them to elongate and grow up and to keep their stem and their leaves smaller. And how many rows do you typically do in your 30 inch beds for your clusters? So if with our clusters, that means that we would have five rows of three to five plants at each hole. Yeah, a lot. So these are in the brassica family. And as you mentioned, there are some pests that like to bother them. What can people do if they're having issues with things eating their ornamental kale? Sure. So it's pretty much the same when you're trying to grow broccoli and cauliflower. You either need to provide an instant barrier as soon as you plant them out in the garden. I mean, if those moths are always out there, whether you're seeing them or not, um, and they are very drawn to brassicas and they'll start laying their eggs without you seeing them in which, you know, you'll start having holes in your leaves. So we would do that by hooping and putting a lightweight row cover which is, you know, which is challenging because you're also trapping heat at this time of the year when, you know, this is a cool season. You don't want to heat it up any more than you have to. But a barrier is one way to do it. Um, the second way is to use a BT product. Um, and the one that we use is called Dipel. It's a powder um, that you can mix and um, you mix it with water and then spray it on the leaves. Just follow the directions. Um, and you know, you, that will only, that was perhaps the only product, which we don't even use that anymore. But up until a few years ago, that was the only pesticide product that we used. It is organic. Um, however, it only affected 
creatures that actually actually ingested the leaves. So it wasn't like it was hurting, harming beneficial insects, other guys out there in the garden as most other organic even pesticides do. Um, But because the third way that you can control these caterpillars um, is one of the processes or the benefits of us restoring the natural order here on our farm is we learned many, many years ago that a natural predator of these types of caterpillars are wasps those wasps that most of us are terrified of, the big paper wasp, that's what they look like. Um, And there's a whole bunch of different types. Um, They literally patrol the garden for exactly what we're talking about. Those larvae of those moths, which are the ones that actually eat the holes in these plants. Um, So we haven't had to treat for these guys for years um, because we have such a strong community of wasps. So a barrier, dipel or a BT, application according to directions or you know if you have a lot of wasps like we do and and roll out the red carpet for them they take care of business before you even know that those guys are out there yeah and we talked a little about how much we love wasps in our japanese beetle episode as well yeah and another thing i wanted to bring up is that it's really important to provide support for your cut flower kale. These kales get taller and it's really important to either provide netting or something else to support them so they don't topple over. Yes. The one thing that you want to not underestimate is you've got to you've got to net these babies and you have to do it early um, because those head, the leaves are heavy and once they lay down, you'll never have a straight stem. So support is super important. Yeah, especially like we mentioned before, if you're used to just seeing the bedding type kales, it will surprise you how tall they get and you'll be disappointed when they do go down, like Lisa mentioned. Yeah. So how tall does your kale tend to get? 24 to 30 inches. Anything above 30 is a real bonus. Um, You know, a lot of people grow them inside in covered hoop houses and definitely get the best stem length there. But we definitely got at least 20. If we planted them at the proper time, Um, And close enough, we got great 24-inch stems. And how do you decide when it's time to harvest? Is it just based on when it's the size and color that you're looking for? Pretty much, and timing. And two, if if they're kind of getting thicker stems and that kind of stuff, this is one crop that holds really beautifully in the cooler. Um, And the other thing to keep in, you know, on your radar is that these are brassica. They will, they can rot and they smell just like cooking cabbage in your house, you know, and they can rot in the vase. Um, you know, I mean, if they're not stripped properly and um, left too long, I mean, after the second, while they might last, look good on the top, two weeks later, unless somebody trims the stem, they can get stinky in the vase. Yeah. So is this a one and done crop for you? You just get that one stem off of each plant? Exactly. And you did just mention the unpleasant cabbage smell. Is there anything someone can do in terms of conditioning that could help with that? Um, You just to slow down the rot, you know, which is the goal of all flower conditioning steps because flowers typically rot from the bottom up um, just through aging out. And so, you know, we use um, the CBBN tablets in all of our harvest buckets that would include these. And then to use fresh flower food, which also has a biocide in it, 
um, that just helps to keep the water clean and free of bacteria as long as possible. But they definitely are a member of the dirty dozen, which are those flowers that pollute the water sooner and have more heavily than many other flowers do. So one of the most popular cultivars of cut flower kale is the crane series. And these can be anywhere from around 20 to 36 inches tall, just depending on which particular variety within the crane series you're actually growing, as well as your growing conditions. Like Lisa mentioned, she typically gets around 24 to 30 inch height out in the field. They're around 90 to 110 or 120 days to maturity, and they are hybrids. And there are all sorts of different leaf forms within the crane series. So there are the smooth leafed or rounded leaf kales. There are some with ruffled leaves and there are some with serrated feather-like leaves. And depending on which of these series you're talking about, there's different colors available, but overall you can find whites, roses, pinks, reds, and bicolors. And the reds tend to be more of a plum or magenta purple sort of color. So just be sure to check the pictures before you buy. Yes. And that's typically referring to the color in the center of the kale. And then the outer leaves, like we mentioned before, can be green or they might have a purple undertone. Again, just depending on which particular variety you're growing. What do you like about the crane series, Lisa? So they're just very uniform and I can get them tall enough. Um, and I love the colors, but I will tell you my favorite color is the green and white. It just goes with everything. Um, there are other colors in the series, um, but the green and white is just a really great um, universal type of very useful. Yeah, that color combination kind of goes with anything. So there are other varieties of ornamental kale besides crane. Just always make sure you check the height of whatever you're buying to make sure you're going to be able to use it for your intended purpose. So did you sell these to florists, Lisa? And if you did, how did you bunch them? Yes. And so typically it would be five to seven stems in a bunch. Um, depending, it really depends on how big the heads are, how, how you can group them together, you know, and rubber band the stems. Um, but yeah, they, they were definitely an in-demand. Um, and the cabbages, the locally grown cabbages have a very different look oftentimes than the shipped in stuff. So yeah, they were very in-demand. And we loved growing the ruffles crane. The, so the crane series yeah. has ruffles. And so that kind of did it for us. It's like, all right, we've got the ruffles and we've got the plane and that kind of does it. Yeah. And what are some of your favorite things to pair them with in terms of other flowers or other decorative items? Yeah, I mean, so that's one of the reasons that I really love the green and white. I mean, we would use it with sunflowers and we tend to have a plant all of our warm season tender annuals in fall colors as we move into that season. Um, so everything will go with it. Of course, sunflowers, you know, marigolds and all the grasses and just so many different, of course. And then we have the fall crops, like things like the peppers that we grow, the ornamentals, um, this pumpkin on a stick, um, the other eggplants that we grow that are ornamentals, as well as hairy balls, gumpacarpus, physocarpus. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of fall decorations that kind of lend themselves to work really well with the cabbages. Yeah. 
I love kale. So just make sure everyone that you calculate back when you need to start them for a fall harvest. Like Lisa said, about four months before your first expected fall frost. That's a really good jumping off point, but obviously feel free to experiment with the timing to find out what works best for you. Make sure you space them tightly and support your plants so that you get smaller, more usable heads and nice, straight, long stems. And then be on the lookout for very hungry caterpillars that might want to dine on your kale and be prepared to protect your plants yes. either with physical protection or like Lisa mentioned with BT, or maybe you have a nice healthy population of wasps that will take care of it for you, but do be on the lookout for damage. Exactly. All right. Well, that was it for this episode. I hope everyone is inspired to try growing some ornamental kale for the fall. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate everyone that has left reviews or ratings and everyone that I get to talk to over on YouTube as well. And make sure to subscribe and follow wherever you're listening so you won't miss an episode. Yeah. So thanks for joining us, friends. And, um, you know, remember, if you want to learn more about the work that we're doing at the Gardener's Workshop, head on over to our website, thegardenersworkshop.com. So please head over there because we don't want you to miss out on anything. And friends, until we meet again. Ciao. Bye.